Welcome, everyone, to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. I'm Joe Van Hoogen. It's been my honor to be the Bible teacher for this ministry for over 20 years. We rejoice to be able to come to you every weekday. This is a program of the International Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and its Missions Fellowship, the Bread of Life, in Boise, Idaho. You can learn more about our work by going to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. When a person is born again, they receive the indwelling life of the Holy Spirit. They are also, in that moment, baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, the Church. And from that moment on, the Holy Spirit works in them to lead them into a life of service and praise to our God. He does this in the life of the Church, and He does this in the life of the individual Christian as well. But that is not all that the Spirit would do for us or for the Church. He would fill us to overflowing, and Jesus would baptize us in the power of that Spirit. If you've ever found yourself praying for revival in your church or the church, you should also let yourself pray for a fresh baptism of the Spirit on your life. This began with a statement here, and the statement is this. What revival is to the church, baptism of the Holy Spirit is to the individual Christian. It's kind of an interesting statement because... There have been, over periods of time, people who have gathered together in the local church and they've prayed passionately that God would send revival upon the local church. It's a wonderful prayer to pray. There are times when we need to do that. Usually, although, what they're doing is praying that the Lord would bring the church up to their level. Lord, may all the church be like, Lord, send revival like we're experiencing, like I am. Well, no, no. As revival is to the church, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to the individual, and when we speak of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are referring to something more than the cadence of the average Christian life. Just as we speak of revival in the church as a manifestation of God's presence with such power that it might change the way that the church operates from day to day. Now, the church can't sustain itself under this manifestation of God's presence. And so throughout history, God has come upon the church and almost like a jolt of his life and his presence and his power. And out of that, the church sustains or is propelled forward for a period of time in ministry. And we need this periodically to keep us going until the day when we're glorified in his presence. And we can, in a sense, handle the full inundation of his life constantly flowing and pouring over us. But the church needs this. I would say frequently, in the same way the Christian needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit because we're speaking of something that's more than just the ongoing rhythm of the normal or average Christian life. We're not referring to the steady obedience and growth and faith that you might expect from a born-again Christian. Every day you should begin your day with prayer and you should end your night in the same way and there should be time throughout your day in which you take regular devotion to seek God and to honor him and to consider his instruction for you and this should be the practice that is carried out in all of our lives but when you read the book of Acts when the spirit came and baptized the early church and from that they went out in power you recognize that it's describing something more than just this ongoing cadence of the spiritual or the Christian life growing in their faithful walk to the Lord Jesus. You recognize when you read that, you're, you see an expression of power and of faith that catches our attention as something that is substantial and significant. There's a, a giantness about it. There's a greatness about it that's taking place in this little church that enables it to 
penetrate and begin to change the direction of the Roman world. When we're praying for revival in the church, we're praying for that type of thing to happen in our little church, in our places of worship. That God would so come upon us that it would alter the course of our national history and of world history. And in the same way, when you seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're asking God to come upon usual men, like the men in the New Testament. They were just usual men. There was nothing distinct about them, but they did unusually great things under that baptism. This is the work of the Spirit offered to us as well. An outpouring that would make common Christians like ourselves live uncommon lives and do uncommonly great things through the power of God coming upon us with boldness and the winsomeness of the Lord Jesus Christ so that he just manifests himself to us and manifests himself through us to others. And I hope as we've been going through this brief series within the series on the Holy Spirit that I hope this has not been confirming, well, I've got that and I hope everybody else gets the same thing. I hope instead it's wetting your appetite and making you think, God, I want that. I want more of that. I want more regular impulses and infusions of that upon my life. I want that to be what's presented when I'm engaging my neighbor, when I'm at my workplace, when I'm before my spouse, when I'm with my children. I want the outpouring of your spirit guiding and directing me and establishing high points, high water marks for the inundation and the flood of your life within me. I need a new high water mark in my life. Come show me where you you move and you work and live and let me live within the standard of that new mark of the outpouring of your spirit upon me. I want that. And so it's all right to pray for revival in the church, but if you pray for revival in the church and you recognize the need of that in our church in our day and age, you ought to think that you ought to. You ought to give yourself more and more to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you shouldn't think that, well, you know, I... I ask God to go with me every single day and I ask Him to give me wisdom and my choices and so I don't need that. Well, that's what the church does every week, week in and week out. We pray and we sing and we worship together and yet we recognize something more that our world needs, something brilliant and vibrant rising up from the church and you ought to say, God, I want that in my life as well and and you can't read the book of Acts without seeing that that extra, that something, that baptism, that pouring out was upon them. And it's, it's explained and expressed in spectacular words. And so there's a bit of a warning here. It's not to go and read these tremendous things that the Spirit of God does and then somehow read it and then apply it in your life to just the regular ongoing cadence. You I say, well, that's kind of like me when I say good day to my neighbor when I pass him when I'm walking on the street. No, it's, it's something more than that. And you ought to let yourself dream and project your mind in that direction because that's why God put it there. Say, I can do these things and I've given this promise not only to them, but I've given it to you. You ought to aspire to these things. Now that said, we move on to our consideration this morning and the title of our message is Seeking the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. There seems to be a reason why Christ did not immediately and without requiring a waiting period give his disciples direction to wait in Jerusalem for the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You realize that he could have done it right there on the spot. He gave these promises, but why promises without the answer immediately? I'm sure when he was saying, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and you wait in Jerusalem and he's about ready to ascend from him, they were thinking, Lord, do it now, do it now. No, wait. There has to be a reason why the Lord Jesus made them wait. 
that baptism will bring to them an increase in immediate immersion into an outpouring of intimacy with the Lord Jesus. It will pour into them a power to be a witness for the Lord Jesus beyond the mere recounting of what they had seen and heard in the life of the Lord Jesus. In other words, now they're going to go out and these words are going to resonate with divine authority, with a seal of divine authority as they proclaim it for individuals. It's going to have before it not only the information of their own eyewitness accounts, but a push and a press and a drive of the Holy Spirit behind it, cutting into the hearts of men as they spoke. They're going to need that empowerment so that as prophets they can proclaim the person and teaching of Jesus Christ. And as priests, they can stand in the wasteland of people's sin and offer them a way to God. And as ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ, they can represent in the midst of resistance and persecution the composure and certainty of the coming king and that they are living in his kingdom. They're going to need these things. And when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, their message flowed out of their hearts, this open-hearted, glad-hearted, generous hearts that flowed out with gladness to all those around them. And there was power in this little church to bring that message that changed the world as a result of that baptism. And yet the Lord Jesus withheld the promise of the spirit baptism from them until they waited for it. He said, you've got to wait for that. And so this is going to be our first point. We'll make some observations under this point to clarify it to some extent in our minds. But the first point is this. They had to wait for this baptism of the spirit. For in waiting, God wanted them to seek it. In waiting for it, God wanted them to seek it. Another way we might say it a little more strongly is simply this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is to be sought by the Christian. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is to be sought by the Christian. It's not to be assumed that this anointing and this outpouring of the Spirit is automatically upon our lives. We're to seek for it. We're to ask for it. So let's make a few observations about this. And this first issue is here before us. The Spirit's fullness, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is not to be assumed. If we were to assume that this happened automatically, then we should be able to see the undeniable evidence of the Spirit's powerful work through the church and in the experience of every Christian in this day. Every person who's claimed Christ as Savior, everyone who's been born again of Him and regenerated by Him, every person who's put their faith in the Lord Jesus right now should be living this dynamic, powerful life that we see in the book of Acts. But we don't see that. We don't see that. You know yourself, there are times, there was a time in your life, you might go back and remember when you gave your life to the Lord Jesus. And you look at your own life and you could see times in which you were burning with a clean fire of passion for Christ and you also know there have been seasons, long seasons, which that's not been the case in your life. It wasn't automatic. It didn't just happen. It didn't just happen and then sustain itself in one continuous, ongoing, unabated fire in your life. There were times in which, initially, you were raging with a love for the Lord Jesus. And there were other times in which the love could hardly be found. And so the Lord Jesus, by His Spirit, comes and calls you to go back and not neglect your first love. Merely the point is since that if baptism was immediately ours and the churches, we would be now resonating with the same pulsating, growing, expanding witness of Christ and the power of the Spirit that we see marking that little church in the book of Acts. And all I'm expressing here is that this baptism isn't something that happens automatically to the believer in Jesus Christ. You can be a Christian 
and you can live without this power and this blessed presence being poured out upon your life. You can live that way in a tepid state throughout your life and not know this zeal and this passion and this power and yet this is what Christ promised for us and this is what Christ wanted for us. And so that's the other thing we would observe here is that the Lord Jesus wants us to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He wants us to experience the outpouring of the Spirit upon our lives. He wants you and He wants me to live and experience this inundation of the Spirit, pouring out His own presence upon ourselves and pouring into us His power as we live our lives in the world around us. And He wants this so much that He's promised. He's promised to us to give this to us. He's laid it out as a promise for your life and mine. It was necessary. It's necessary for us to be able to fulfill the task that He's given us. To us, it's still been given this task to take the gospel to the extremities of our world, to take the name and the person of Jesus Christ to the extreme points of our lives, and you won't be able to do that. You won't be able to effectively accomplish that with eternal benefits if you're not filled with this Holy Spirit. And so the Lord Jesus, who's given us that task, wants to give us that power. He wants to give us that life. He wants to pour out this baptism upon us, but he says we have to wait for it because he wants us to seek it. We can't assume it. He wants to give it to us, but we have to search for it. He wants us to seek it, and for a number of reasons. You'll have to join us in our next broadcast as we consider reasons the Lord Jesus might have in having us wait for a promise He truly wants to give us. Until then, please remember to pray that God would revive His church in our land. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership, evangelism, and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are at work to take this gospel to the ends of the earth, and we need your prayers and your support. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.